What's going on, everybody? My name is Rob, and I'm the host of The Curated Culture, a weekly podcast dedicated to dissecting the latest and greatest news from around the world of tech and pop culture. Now, we all know the internet can be a busy, noisy place, so let us calm that noise for you. Join us as we discuss the latest and greatest topics from the people and sources that matter most. Check us out every Thursday as we jump into fresh, original content, new interviews, and a host of other subjects that we know you'll find interesting. So jump in whatever your favorite podcast app is and search The Curated Culture. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And in the meantime, we'll catch y'all on the air. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I am here with the man who ages like fine wine, Nick. Fine wine, more like a big bucket of cottage cheese. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm good. How are you this morning? I am waking up. I'm doing well, though. Well, that's good. And you do it. You know, as you get older, it's just better and better and better. No, it's not. It's <laughs> slower and more painful and dumber and repetitive and wash, rinse, repeat. It's not. No, it's not. It's not better. Um, I would like to think that my personality refines like wine, but it, it doesn't. I just find new ways to make dumber mistakes. And the body, well, the body, this whole jalopy's breaking down, Michael. I'm telling you, I'm not as uh, spry as I once was. I find it funny because I'm older than you, and I'm the one usually limping around, but you're hitting that age where things are creaking and starting to affect you in the morning, and yeah, it's, I guess for an older brother at times, it's a little fun to watch. I appreciate that you take pride in my, <laughs> and, and joy in my, my dilapidation. So I, I do, uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I'm not delusional. I know that my, my weight has definitely uh, contributed to my slowing down over the years and that the more weight I lose, the happier and the better I'll feel, but uh, um, it still sucks. Yeah. So yesterday, the day before today, yes, I was unaware that my wife was showing up with a massive brick of butter. Oh, so, you mean our, ba- <laughs> our back roads cocaine? It looks like it. Yeah, one big huge block. Don't let me order that much. That looked, no, that was got to be, that was I think a it's huge that, I think it's closer to 20. I think it was 20. So I remember asking your wife, hey, she's like, well, how much do you want? I'm like, well, how much can I get? You know, you know, sarcastic me. And she's like, as much as you want. I'm like, I don't know, 10 or 20 pounds. He's like, 20 pounds it is. So last night I was tired. I've just finished up cleaning the house. That's what I did when you guys were at the school for the kids sporting event. And as soon as I'm like, all I want to do is lay down, do some stretching before bed, and go right to bed. And in comes Jameson and Grayson with this massive block of butter, which, you know, I could have thrown it in the fridge, but I'm just delaying the inevitable because I cut it and do sticks, if you will. Reasonable amounts. That's what. Yes. <laughs> but this thing was bigger than my head. It, it was, was huge. It was bigger than any of your animals. Yeah, it's 20 pounds of butter, man. It was good size. I, this has been the most, uh, I should start doing an upcharge on you guys and make some money with it. Tell you what, this was the most butter I've collected, I think, in, since I've started doing this. You get clay too? Was it everybody this time? No, I know they wanted I, some. I, well, I don't, listen, Heather takes care of that side. I don't think we have any contact with clay at all. Other than I could message him on Facebook 
but Heather normally messages all the girls. So I don't know. I don't think Brittany's in that group. But and I maybe, have lots. Maybe you can move about 10 pounds. Yeah. I I bought 220 pounds. I have more. Oh, crap. Yeah, four of those boxes. One went to our parents. One is going to a friend of mine. One is to be divided amongst you guys, and one is mine. Hmm. Well, and it's been a while since we even discussed it, because I think we actually discussed the first time of me wanting some on this show, but it was years ago. Yes. Nick, I, Nick has a butter dealer. I am the back, I'm the back, <laughs> the backdoor butter guy. <laughs> <laughs> and it, they come in, it's from a farm, and they come in 55 pound blocks. And I've started to get my butter in that manner now for a couple of years. And it, it actually it tastes much better. It's, it's a much better taste than any butter you can buy. And so I'm always, Every time he goes, I get some. This time I bit off a little more than I could chew. It was, I could have sculpted like large things out of that butter. Hey, there's an idea for a short. We can like make a, a butter sculpting contest. You've seen my art skills, right? Yeah, I have. That's why I know I'm going to win. <laughs> Which, by the way, I still, and I, I hadn't had time this week, but I'm going to still look at, can we order? the cricket proteins and have you do the is it crickets game I, i'm down whatever you want to so speaking of your super skills versus my lack of see you'll have to make you have to cook it all up to make it all the same and have a, and then i'll just that i don't think i have super skills i just think there are things that i suck at and things that i suck less at and i suck the least at cooking okay well, you're very good at art, too, or very you used to be able no. to draw quite well and all these other things. I don't think I'm very good. I, I used to draw all the time. I used to spend most of my, most of every class drawing. I, you, that reflects in my grades. But I hardly do it at all anymore. I enjoy doing it, but I, I, if, if I sketch anything, it's just random little doodles while we record these. Are you doing that now? No, I'm drinking coffee. Oh, okay. Because I do, I do see it at times. You're over there just doodling away. It helps me sort my thoughts. It, for some reason, giving my hands a, a, mon- like a fiddling, mundane task that I'm not really putting effort into helps me uh, to clear my head and stop the ums and the what's and the likes. And the, it just, it's beneficial for me. Gotcha. I also have a, oh gosh, on my key ring, I have a little Batman figure. It's a keychain. And it's uh, like, if I'm, if I'm in a stressful situation or having a conversation that I probably don't want to have, Sometimes I'll keep it in my pocket and I just flick his legs back and forth. You fidget. I, I do very much do, yes. You have a fidget Batman. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's the Batman in pajamas from the Batman movie. He's pretty awesome. <laughs> so I'm Batman. You are. The and this parlay's perfect. We we I can take where we're at and move us right into the show because today we're gonna chat about fashion and we all know that you and I are the authority when it comes to fashion. We absolutely are. (laughs) I am generally picked on by my wife, by my wardrobe, although now that COVID happened and I'm a lot more t-shirt and shorts, she seems to like that better than all the work attire of button-down shirts and polo shirts all the time. But I would not in any way, shape, or form follow me in fashion at all. Please, I'm kidding don't look me up and try to mock. Well, you can mock, but don't try to copy or mimic what I'm doing. It will not help. Yeah, so I am the first one to admit that I don't think I have a bad sense of fashion. I could actually dress... I, wow, I'm, I'm not awake yet. I could dress quite smart. 
The problem is, is I cannot afford to pay for the clothes to make me look like I'm dressing quite smart. Because being a large man, my clothes are um, not exactly what we call affordable. I can't, I can't shop at like a Walmart or anything like that unless I'm in the, the automotive section to get a car cover. It, it doesn't fit. So <laughs> when I go to like the big and tall stores, like my, my cheap shirts start at like 40 bucks and my pants are about 50. So I can dress nice, but can I afford it? And the answer to that is not normally. Well, and just, I was sitting and talk, talking about when it comes to fashion, I, I very rarely buy my own clothes. Like, I don't buy clothes. You typically I buy, steal them, I know. Yeah, I, well, I buy things I need, and like there's certain shorts. I have a set of shorts that this is the kind of shorts I wear. I buy one of every color, and I'm good for years. <laughs> and, <laughs> what? Why are you what? So, I, I'm a huge fan of Steve Harvey. I love watching... The clips from the shows, I find it very inspirational. And he explains his suits the way you're explaining your shorts. And he's like, I, he's like, I buy, I think he says, I got, I have seven coats, seven pairs of pants, and seven shirts. They're all different colors when they all cross. <laughs> just goes on about how he has like seven of each and he can make like 200 different combinations out of it. That's all you have to do. And they last forever. You know, like I will wear these shorts beyond the point of, additional ventilation like there'll be some tears here and there some areas that wear out but are they noticeable and do does anybody see it no they don't these are still good at and some point you're, you at some point you're gonna wear them as a loincloth playing tarzan for a uh, halloween <laughs> just a belt line yeah then i'll wear them until they you know they can't be worn anymore like legally and throw them, you know, either throw them away. Have I'll even try to get them repaired if Jamie's got the time. But sometimes they're so wore out and so thin they won't. There's and, a point by the time you add so much fabric to them, you might as well just bought a new pair. So that's, I mean, that my jeans I've had for a very, very long time. And you know me, I fluctuate in weight so drastically. I literally have the skinny pants at the top of the closet. The heavy pants are here. If I lose weight, I just swap them. Yeah, and it's the same clothes. I, I just never get rid of them. You never know I, when bloating season is coming. Oh, I it's me not paying attention to life. And then I realize it and make a change and yada, yada, yada. But I don't buy clothes. Like, I do things like this. You know, I, I'm wearing our realistic sustainability. It was greater than the say t-shirt. I'll do some things like that. But anything that I get is usually someone saw it, like knew I'd like it and gives it to me. I very rarely go just buy a shirt. I will now with that aside, fast fashion or not, I was last night shopping, did not buy it, but I'm looking for one of those Detroit Lions grit t shirts. Yes, I know. I I'm pride not drinking the football Kool Aid, but I'm I I have a funnel. Y'all are mainlining that Kool Aid. <laughs> they win okay, let's get two things straight here. They they one win game. they win one game and not my even plural. entire my entire news feed is like they're the Super Bowl champs, and while they did, they did beat the defending Super Bowl champions. I, I'll give it that. That's not exactly a stout team, okay? It's they waited not, more not, than fifty years. It's not like they beat the Patriots at the top of their game. They beat Patrick Mahomes. Whoop de do, okay? I am not the biggest fan of sports ball, but I am finding this to be very funny. Oh, it's going to be either the greatest year of my sports watching life. Or again, a new low in watching the Lions in my sports watching life. I don't know which it is yet. 
I don't think there's going to be a new low. I do remember the 0-16 season still, so I don't think that you're ever going to do worse than that. The only new low that could come from that is the emotional turmoil from the, the kamikaze emotions you're going to have when they start to play like the Lions will inevitably play. And don't get me wrong, if they make it to playoffs, if they go even close to the Super Bowl, I'm going to be the first one to eat crow and say I was wrong and they did a great job. I am not afraid to say that. I just think it's hilarious. And I wish I could give you a, I wish I could have screenshots of like the day after that game. My Facebook was hilarious. Oh, it was. Yeah, absolutely. So I could talk about that all day, but we better not. That doesn't necessarily fit into what we're doing here. But anyways, I'm going to parlay back to what we were talking about, about your fantastic fashion. We're going to talk about fast fashion today. We're going to spend some time talking about some of the issues that we see in the commercial world how that affects people, how the social issues are tied to it, and how big of a problem our current fashion world is to sustainability. Well, I mean, coming from like normal, the ignorant side of it, I can explain to you what I've seen in stores and how much I think it's ridiculous. I'm just going to start with this one. I was at Walmart yesterday or the day before, and I was walking past the their main aisle and lines up with the clothing. So the ladies section, it says clearance. And then these these t-shirts, blouses, I don't know what they call them. Uh, I'm not intelligent in that regard. However, I will say that for $3, you could have bought a shirt that looked like it was uh, sewn or manufactured from material that's about the same consistency as lint. And that it was so, so see-through. And I understand the term sheer. I know people like to dress light. I get it. But like, and I'm just going to, being the big guy in the room... I don't like no one seeing any more skin than me than they absolutely have to because it grosses me out. So I like to be covered. You'll notice in our videos, you get the tip of my shoulders up. You don't get nothing else. And so when I look at these things, it's like $3 for a shirt. And it's literally, it's I'm serious when I say this. You could stick your hand inside of it. And without even pressing your hand against the fabric to where you would stretch it, you could see your hand. Like, there is no world where I will allow anyone in my family to wear clothes like that. But also, I like, what's the point of even... Like you're gonna wash it once and it's gonna fall apart. Like, what's the point of it? It's. Gross. I mean, that is fast fashion. Fast fashion is described as low-cost clothing made in current designs and styles, mm-hmm. designed to be sold quickly, but has a quality that limits its use. So sometimes people collect. You know, I know some people who just collect clothes. They've worn them once, they've worn them twice, or they've worn them zero times because the tag is still on them in their closet. And that is so you can have this huge closet. You can have all these things at a near zero cost, but you can only wear them a couple of times. Well, I mean, there's I, some I'm sure are better, but most of the time you only get a couple of swings at the bat. Well, I understand it in terms of like being as I'm going to eat my own words. I understand wanting a, a variety, you know, to be aesthetically pleasing, to, to have different ideas and outfits and being able to mix and match. I get it. Like I do. And for $3 for a shirt, it's $3. But at the same token, like you're going to wear it once, maybe twice. And it's going to go in the wash and then go in the dryer and it's going to fall apart to nothing. I can't, sure can't get thinner. But that's what it's for. It's this temporary, you know, you're going to build an outfit one day and you're going to see that one. You're going to go, oh, I'm going to use that. You're going to wear it. You're going to wash it. It's going to either fall apart or nearly fall apart. You might get one more out of it. And then you, and then it goes in a bag because you're gonna feel good about donating. But that's a whole different problem with the 
the clothing donation sites. So these clothes are, it's like planned obsolescence at a shockingly high level. They are such poorly made that it is to be assumed that you're only going to wear it a couple of times. And if I like it so much that I might want to wear it, it's only $3. I'll take seven of them. See, you know, when you you say the term shockingly high level, I don't think it's shockingly high. I think that any item that is going to be manufactured and purchased by a corporation like like Walmart with the amount of stores they have and the type of volume we're talking about, it's pretty understandable how many of it are going to be sold. I mean, there's a good chance that the company only sells at Walmart. The company is partly owned by Walmart. You see it all the time in the in the food you know the food world where you have a big company that has these subsidiary companies that they all you can only find there, so you have to shop there for it. I'm sure that Walmart and clothing outlets are no different in that regard. And so when you look at these these um these items, they're they're just they're crap. You know, I actually considered buying one in, instead of cheesecloth because it was cheaper. Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing, style. And I get fashion and style change. And the original concept had a little bit of merit, not a lot. The original concept <laughs> was not a lot. Was that people are going to uh, cycle through their clothing so much that why are we putting all of this material in? Why are we putting all these like double seams and spending all this time? creating a more expensive piece of clothing when they're just going to wear it once and throw it away or give it to someone or put it in the donation bin. We can make it thin. We can make it single seamed. We can make it fast. And it would only cost us eight cents to make it. We'll actually make more by making it cheaper. So ideally, you know, the the, the theory was reduced embodied energy. I think it was profitability, but it ended up being a little bit of reduced embodied energy. But they never really, they thought about it through fashion, not the backside, not what happens after. For them, the business, it works great. They're selling a ton, ton of things at a higher margin when the reality is it ends up in landfills, oceans, and bins all over, all over the world. Well, and I think that, um, like most things, this happens. Anything that is done, I'd say good intentions, where it's done to reduce something or like, I, I, I made a joke the other day, but it's actually kind of bothered me when I thought about it, about how, like, this big movement across the across the country to, I'm going to say, reduce the amount of disposable cups we have has turned into a industry of mom-and-pop people producing reusable cups. So now, and I guarantee it, in a couple of years, you're going to see stats on how many thousands of plastic and reusable cups there are disposed of every day because... People just pump them out like they're like they're collectible, and it, right. it's not. Now these aren't as this isn't the same vein as fast fashion, but the the niche is you know the the trend is the trend is the same. Fast fashion is only a bad thing because it's trendy. When it's trendy, people buy hundreds of shirts a week, like not an individual. But if you go to the store and oh it's three dollars, hey it's two dollars, hey this is six dollars, you spend forty bucks and get like a whole new wardrobe that you you like you said won't wear. Maybe you wear it once. And then a couple, you know, a couple of years it goes to a Goodwill, and then you have stores all across the country, thrift stores that are just packed to the brim with used clothes. Meanwhile, this this industry is still pumping them out. So, I mean, you're not wrong. Well, and hopefully, when it comes to the cups, we're gonna hopefully we see more and more people use them. If they're using them, the long run, then it it should help. 
but that's a whole different episode with a whole different research needs to be done for. And But on the fast fashion side, it made sense for the business because, mm-hmm. again, this is spurred by how we do business. Globally, U.S. companies have to have larger and larger profits year over year. Remember, if they make the same amount, let's say they make $1 billion, mm-hmm. and last quarter they made $1 billion. To them, that's a loss. They didn't grow. So they have to have infinite growth. So which is their, outlandish. Which is impossible. It's impossible. It, it's just a matter of how slow do you grow and how long do you drag it out? Can you do it long enough for currency to inflate so it keeps looking like more? You know, Sears did it that way for years. But what it does is it creates the mentality in business that they have to come up with these solutions. And that's what this was. It went from a sales and profit solution that felt like it was meeting people's needs to a sustainability disaster globally. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't disagree. And I meant my joke when I, when I made the joke about buying it instead of cheesecloth. I meant it. You could buy an entire garment of clothing for three dollars. And while I am a big advocate of things that are more cost effective in our lives, because life is expensive, I would like some type of durability on it. We did a whole episode on um, like dollar stores and you know buying the same item one time that was you know more high end and would last, and buying something twenty times because it was cheaper. This is literally no different. It's just something you wear instead of something you use. Well, and that you generally don't wear very often. Fast fashion. The market is valued at $122.2 million in 2021. So for me, I, every, every once in a while I look at these stats. Is that meant to be billion or million? No, million. Okay. Again, fast fashion. The very specific, quick, cheap. And again, when you're selling shirts at $3, it takes a long time to get to the billion mark. But it was also in 2021 and is projected to reach nearly 300 million but 283.4 million by 2020 uh by 2030 so does so that's a so lot of two dollar three dollar shirts it is does this include websites like um alibaba and timu and wish and where they have mass distribution from china it does yep. oh then yeah it's it's about to get worse they're the couple of these sites are ramping up in the u.s they're getting super super popular and they're cranking up major sales yeah sheen she and Timu are insane right now. You know, it, it is what it is. You know, most of our manufacturing that we, we would utilize comes from China and other countries anyways, just because of the cheap labor and stuff like that. So, like, if you find a site you like and you can buy things safely, you have to do what's best for your family. Personally, for me, I don't think they offer a Godzilla size, so I'm not really sure if they would have something that would fit me. So I don't shop on those things. But it's just... it. Uh, it, it's ridiculous. But on the flip side, okay, I just spent how much? Okay, I didn't spend. My daughter spent her allowance money, but she went shopping yesterday with her brother, and she went to the Nike outlet and bought socks, and then she went to Under Armour and bought some um, new shorts for basketball practice and stuff like that. And I think she spent about a hundred dollars. But the first thing she said when she walked through the door was, "They, I walked into Lululemon, and a pair of shorts was fifty-five dollars. So I just walked right back out." Right. And it it made me chuckle because, you know, this is the outlet mall. The outlet mall in Birch Run, and for those who don't um, know what it is, in Birch Run, which is relatively close to where I live in Michigan, we have this, this outlet mall, which is this huge, like this, I don't know, 10 acre 
shopping plaza of, of stores. And it has a lot of great places to shop if you're looking for clothing. It's mostly clothing and retail outlets. But they're like clearance outlets. So it's where um, stores from bigger cities send their merchandise they can't move to to sell it. And they do. It just pumps it out. And that's great now. But, you know, when you when you have these stores and you're talking $50 for a pair of shorts, my 13-year-old daughter doesn't need a $50 pair of shorts. I'm glad she had the right mentality to walk away. But on the flip side, I don't want her going to Walmart and spending three dollars on a guard of the clothing either. Like, right. it, where do we gain? It's it's just uh, you're darned if you do and darned if you don't. So you explaining outlet malls is basically just showing the evidence of overproduction. There's, there's a whole secondary uh, industry based on we're going to make more. We'll sell it at a higher price to those willing. Then we'll step it down a notch for the same item. Sounds like some of it's still quite expensive. And then there's even the next lower where they donate or whatever else. It is, on the average, a consumer in the United States throws away almost 82 pounds of clothing every year. That's 92 million pounds globally per year. It's a whole person worth of cloth a year. Hmm? Anyone that's ever seen... The picture of a dragon eating its own tail or a snake eating its own tail is a great representation of the clothing industry because, yeah, they they produce on a consistent basis, and if they're not gaining every quarter, then they're not they're not producing an income as far as where as they're concerned. You know, they're not if they're not showing a, a positive, then they're not making money, which is total BS. So they they have to make room for for new for new designs and new ideas and new inspiration, Michael. And so they send off their, their stuff that isn't quite as popular. Maybe they had too many units of whatever it was to another store where you have people like, like tourists from like, like Canada that come over through Detroit. They come up and they spend hundreds of dollars shopping at these malls to clearance. And here's the kicker. And they just recently closed it before COVID, but the, the outlet mall used to have a clearance outlet itself where stores would send things to sell at almost nothing that they couldn't move. So I used mm-hmm. to, being someone that had an eBay store, I lived in that place because I'd buy things there all the time. I remember getting like a case of Game Boy games for $3 a piece. Right. Well, and it's, it's, so all that embodied energy, all that production. But what's funny about it is it's usually the companies or what do I want to say, the, the affiliates to the companies, either sponsors or whoever, mm-hmm. who drive the change in fashion. Oh, that shirt is so less last season, then you don't wear it because of peer pressure in many ways that that is not a cool or popular thing to wear anymore. The same people who sell it drive that change in opinion. They just keep using their marketing dollars and keep focusing on that stuff and they continue to push it until general public makes that change, purges out all Mm -hmm. of these old things and then starts to buy these new things again, which is funny because at some point it's going to cycle and they're going to come right back because there's only so many ideas. So next thing you know, you're right back to the 80s of neon and headband leg warmers. <laughs> so every every so often it just cycles around again. Yeah, so effectively what fashion does, and not just fashion, really anything artistic and creative that, that you would label as having a style, and this country goes across the country in a big wave, and it starts in the West Coast and slowly comes east. 
And when it hits the East Coast, it kind of has a little reverberation and bounces back. Being in the Midwest, we're always, you know, a day late and a dollar short on the things that we find are trendy. The thing, even in, you see this in the food world too, you know, we're in Michigan, we're just now discovering avocado toast. Like it hasn't been huge in the West Coast for 10 years. And that's just the way it goes here. But I, I will, I do want to kind of respond to what you said about like the same things. You, you've already, we already see it. You're already seeing the eighties and the seventies come back, you know. Bell bottom jeans have been huge again for like the last five or six years, and they were massive two or three, four or five decades ago. Gosh, we're getting old, Michael. <laughs> but you're right; it, it, that's exactly what happens. And I mean, I guess I don't have, uh, I don't know what else to say about it other than that is that like there is, there are so only so many ideas, and we live in a country that was built on originality, and now the originality is gone because they're too busy chasing a buck. The number of times the garment is worn has declined in the last 15 years, 36%. I'm making up the difference in my house. I can't afford to buy more. <laughs> the fast fashion chains, like we've discussed earlier, like Sheen and them, make a million garments a day. Online retailers list 600 new styles a week. And returns from bought items online exceed the amount of all purchased goods in local stores globally. So that counts large chains, going into a Walmart and buying something. The amount that is simply returned online, not kept or bought, exceeds all sales where someone walked into a brick and mortar and purchased it. Of course. You know how easy it is to like places like Walmart okay, so Walmart.com, for those of you that don't know, is a marketplace. It's not just Walmart selling their own goods. Anyone can apply to be a, a seller at Walmart.com and sell goods. They can set their own prices. They can sell whatever they want. So there's a lot of times you buy something at Walmart.com. You're not buying it from Walmart. So it may not be the item that you want. So the fact that they get returned or that, you know, isn't quite what you expected does not surprise me. It happens at Amazon too all the time. But what surprised me was the level of return, the amount of returns in comparison to all face-to-face shopping experiences oh i'm not in, in terms of comparison i am i am not surprised at all we're coming out of COVID. like it's people people still are are failing to to recognize the waves and the changes that that year and a half two years did to the way we shop people's e-commerce sales in their day-to-day life have got to exponentially been increased almost to a permanent level people already prefer to shop online because they don't like being face-to-face with other humans anyways so the fact that they made it so easy to shop online, now you can get everything. You can get groceries online, clothes, food, medicine. You don't actually have to leave your house anymore. I'm not surprised right. at all because I think there's a certain demographic in terms of – if you could find a statistic for age, I'd be willing to bet that most of the people that, that make those face in-store purchases at the brick-and-mortar stores are probably between like 50 and 80 years old. And then most of the young folks are getting stuff online. That's I'd be willing to bet that. Do I have much to bet? No, but I will bet you two sweet little packets that that's the way it is. Hey, I'm below 50. You put me with the young people. I sure did. For a little while longer. <laughs> you got a couple years left? Yeah, I I need to feel like I'm young and energetic and all those things. Still, I appreciate that. Yeah, it beats feeling like a box of Rice Krispies. So speaking of feeling young or having energy... I told you about we're going to keep discussing this magic find thing at least one the, at least this week. I don't know if we'll continue on after. I should have had you, Jamie bring me mine. You can't. Oh God, you, you I drink every 
single one of them. Oh, 100% of them. Because when I get up in the... (laughs) He's addicted. Well, when you get up in the morning, if you take that, it took me a little while to get used to grabbing it and taking it. Mm. Like, I moved through my morning better. It was nice. Like, this morning, I was a dumpster fire. I woke up late. I'm running around trying to find coffee, as you know, because I didn't have any of it. So, like, I can, yeah, yeah, dumpster fire. So, yes, all 15 of them are gone. I drank every single one of them. And what I have learned is I kind of miss the the daily, like, boost. I was much, it was much easier for me to get through a full day. I didn't get that, like, jitters or the, I got a burst of speed, like I'm running on nitrous in the morning. Not at all. It was just that by the end of the day, I realized I wasn't tired. I was able to do the things when I got home from work that maybe I usually sit down and not do. And yesterday is a couple of days out because it does kind of accumulate. Yesterday was the first day I got tired. Like I I got home. I'm like, oh, crap. I'm back to that. You know, so it, it is sorry. You didn't get your opportunity for magic mine. You didn't come get them. I did drink them all. No, it's not that I didn't get my opportunity. I didn't, I didn't take it. I, I've always been poor with time management, and I didn't make it a priority to come out there and get them, but I'm glad to see they went to good use, and I'm glad to see you enjoyed them, and I'm kind of happy to see that you're having withdrawals. I can, yeah, yeah, I don't know if that's what it is or not, but, man, it's there's a there's a change. And, I don't know, who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll go back and we'll get some more. I'm... As you know, I've never been an energy energy drink person. I like these productivity shots because it doesn't give me what I had in the past when I tried the vitamin water energy drinks. Felt like my heart wanted out. None of that happened here. Go ahead. Well, that's good though. That's good. And and to be honest, I I shouldn't joke. Obviously, you're not having withdrawals. You just you noticed a positive change from including this new day, you know, your daily ritual, and that's a good thing. That's what they. That's what we wanted to know if it was going to happen. Literally, instead of, you know, us all splitting it and each doing five, you doing a two, what I would do is a two week, you know, something that you took one a day, right? Mm-hmm. So you literally trial run it for them and you've seen a positive interaction and with your body. And that's, that's great. I'm, I am a bit envious. I'm not angry or upset. I'm envious. I wish I could have tried it, but to be fair, with the amount of caffeine I consume on a daily basis, I meant when I said last time, I would have to abstain from it from like 36 to 48 hours to even feel a difference. I mean, I drink so much caffeine a day, it should kill me. You well, laugh. I'm almost serious. There's very little caffeine in those in those uh, productivity shots, but I like the taste. I don't know. I may have to look into it a little more. We'll see. We'll give it a few more days and see how I feel. But uh, I I did like the additional booster push that helped me get through my day it was it was a nice thing to to have happen throughout that's, that, uh, so. that's awesome and i hope they hear this because I'm, i think that's a great testimonial and i i'm gonna have to just pony up and buy some because i want some mushroom juice for those of you wondering most of it's made for mushrooms i've been doing some digging on it and it looks awesome i'll move us on but i just wanted to at least let everybody know that you got none i got them all and then i got sleepy when they were gone so just so we're clear, for those of our any of our fan base that, that likes anime or cartoons, um, you just had a Majin Buu moment, and I love you for that. There is a character, a childlike character, called Majin Buu in Dragon Ball Z, and there is a um, a, a movie 
where he in this movie he is he's got a bowl of pudding and and someone else wants one and he said no all puddings are for boo and he licks every single jar so i got i none. didn't do that they were no. there they were ready i didn't you, like lick your bottle you are right but you just said you got none <laughs> so all puddings are for boo i get it you got all the energy drinks yay um but uh I, I actually would like for at a later date would like to do a, a short episode or something on on energy drinks and the the motoring industry behind them and what they actually do for your body because I think that that would be fun to talk about. Well, I think there's also the difference between a productivity style drink that includes vitamins and minerals versus a energy drink, which is caffeine based. So mm-hmm. maybe I think that's going to have to come up. We'll have to look at that. I think I think it'd be enjoyable. Let's move on to other aspects of the fast fashion. Manufacturing and waste is where I'm at right now. 20%, this is a crazy stat to me, 20% of global wastewater comes from textile dyeing. That that actually doesn't surprise me because we've talked a lot about the amount of water used in the manufacturing of textiles. And for those that don't remember the term textiles, just clothing factory, it's all that is, it's cloth. Um, it's... But twenty percent of global waste—that's a ton. That's twenty percent. Well, yeah, industry. You're right. That is. But look at your local Walmart, and I use Walmart because it's the biggest. It's the biggest clothing distributor I can think of right now. You go to your local Walmart. Every single item in there, every single different shirt, every single different pair of pants, every single different coat, hat, gloves, every single one. Had a different production line in a different factory at a different time in a different place. Everyone. And if they didn't, not all those boxes are checked. Half of them are. So think about that, that 20% of water and think about the amount of water that was wasted to do, oh, this season's gloves and next season's hats and last season's shirts. Like it's, it's, it's there, Michael. It may be shocking, but it's there. Yeah. It's insane. There, sometimes you get a stat. It's so hard to believe. And adding to that water scenario, it takes uh, 2,700 liters or 713 gallons of water mm-hmm. to make one shirt. Now, yeah. granted, a lot of companies recycle this water on a regular basis, but remember, they're not using salt water. This is potable drinking water that they're consistently trying to recover, and not all companies recover. They tend to dump it, let nature take its course, take new water in, but mm-hmm. one shirt that's enough drinking water for 900 days. I would like to add, just for clarification, when you say one shirt, it's not every single shirt. It's one line of shirts. Like, it's they're not using that much water to make a single garment of clothing. Although, if you did, it would use the same amount because the factories only know how to scale and ridiculous. Well, this is, um, this is a, a, a division of yeah, what they're making. Absolutely. So 713 gallons, or enough drinking water for 900 days. How many places, in even in the United States, to Flint, where we, you know, where we spent a lot of time, was one of them. Could you not get clean drinking water? But one, a shirt takes 900 days worth of drinking water. So I, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Flint. I, I, I don't quite understand that statistic, unless they're allocating what, like three quarters of a gallon of water per day to drink. Well, and again, the manufacturing plants quite often have a whole recycle system and they try to reuse some of that water. But 20% of global wastewater is an insane amount of water. It is 
a and, and the 900 days is your minimum intake for water for human life. But it's still an insane, mind-boggling. It's one of those trying to trying to measure the distance in the universe. It's a, it's a it's a metric that doesn't make sense to people. Okay, and to so me, here's, that doesn't make sense. It's and just here's huge. A, and here's the comparison: the universe is constantly expanding, and so is the global market for business because they don't know when enough is enough. Perfect analogy. Mm-hmm. And worse yet, it produces half a million tons in microplastics per year. Mm-hmm. Half a million tons of microplastics per year, which microplastics are the largest threat to global life right now. Microplastics are everywhere. You can't. It's very challenging to get them out of the ocean. It's even challenging these days to get them out of wildlife. It's. I think recently I read National Geographic's where they found microplastics in a heart of an animal that had passed during a, and they went through kind of an autopsy. Microplastics are now everywhere. Bioaccumulation means that when we eat fish, we're getting microplastics in us just because the fish grew up in an environment eating microplastics along with their other, you know, their food, their plankton, their smaller fish, yada, yada, yada. It works its way into us. This is one of the largest dangers this planet has because all of these plastics are being consumed by everything on the planet. And I always say, you know, we're a little rude by saying it's only bad when it happens to us, but that's what's happening. It's happening so often across so many different species that we don't have to eat plastic to be filled with plastic. Well, you got to figure that when you constantly, as and I'm saying this as a population, not just as like an individuals, but when you constantly poison your food source or you ruin the area upon which your food lives, then you're going to see some, you know, repercussions from it. It's going to happen eventually. And like you talk about fish and stuff, most of the fish globally produced comes from saltwater because most of the water on the planet is saltwater. So if we're destroying the oceans and then we're also fishing the oceans, we're going to get microplastics. There's no getting around that. That shouldn't have to be explained. That should be commonsensical as far as I'm concerned. Uh, because, you know, the, the evidence and, and all the contributing factors are self-evident. They're all there. If you pee in a fish tank, the fish are going to die. Now, obviously, that's an extreme analogy, but it's just if you continuously pollute an area, the things that live in it either will have to move or they're going to die. Or in some cases, they do adapt. You know, if, if you have you know, fish that eat krill and the krill have consumed some form of microplastic and however they do it, and then the fish eats the grill, and the fish has the microplastics in it, and we fish the fish, and we eat the fish, and yeah, it takes a ridiculously long time for the, the, the oils in those plastics to break down and go back to, you know, where they originally came from, and it's going to be far beyond our lifetime before the Earth is going to fix itself in this way. Humans consistently love to tout our intelligence. Mm. It's one of those things that it, it annoys me at times and this is peeing upstream really is all this is we've through all these generations we have not fully learned how to not contaminate ourselves because of comforts and that's what this is and money don't get me wrong currency those half million tons of plastic that end up primarily in oceans every year are equivalent to 50 billion plastic bottles and you can't even see it it's ridiculous. And, and, and we've talked a lot about this before. And it's not just the fast fashion industry. You know, there's microplastics in soaps. And, you know, we're talking lotions and, and shampoo. Well, they banned soaps. I mean, to some degree they did. But 
how many is used more. It used to be a wonderful way to use small chunks of plastic was to put it in our hand cleaner and and things of that nature so you could quote unquote exfoliate. Mm. That's banned. Those microplastics in the United States are banned. They now use coconut shell or pumice. Okay. But they're not banned globally. All we did was take it all out of the United States and sell it to a developing nation. Well, and that's and that's kind of how. Unfortunately, I didn't I didn't really want to touch on this, but that's kind of what a lot of our problems are. Is that as in this country, we have three hundred and thirty plus million people. It's a big chunk of people, but globally, it's it's a very small percentage. So all the changes we make here might benefit us here directly, but developing nations don't have the same freedom and the same. When I say freedom, I mean, like, I mean like financial freedom. They don't have the same abilities to make some of the, the liberal decisions we do. They just kind of have to do what they have to do to survive. And right. so their their choices and their options are going to be a lot harder on the environment, in some cases, not all, than you know what they could be. And so we talk about the microplastics, or you talk about the, the fast fashion industry. They're not a lot. And often t- cases, that's not necessarily something we're producing, but we're benefiting from. And we are definitely putting fuel in the fire. I mean, they wouldn't, I, I wish I had a stat for how many of those, um, like those transactions as those billions of, of garments of clothing actually come here versus other places in the world. I know they're not produced here. There's no way. But the question is, is like how many are, like, what are we contributing to? How many are we buying? Well, and then it gets worse because every aspect you look at when it comes to the manufacturing side, every one of them is terrible. Mm-hmm. So fast fashion creates more emissions than international aviation and shipping combined, between 8 and 10% of total global CO2 emissions somehow are attached to fast fashion, which is funny that they use that stat because aviation and shipping combined, a ton of the shipping is because of fast fashion, that textile sectors use between 10 and 20% of all pesticides produced globally. And that 2.5% of the world's farmland is for cotton. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, it's not something I knew before this, but I, I'm not surprised by those numbers at all. And that's so we can wear something to make us look or feel cool briefly. Mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, I mean, that's effectively, we, we took clothing ourselves and turned it into a nightmare. It and then is. this... This last one, I don't like the verbiage because anytime you use chemicals, it's ambiguous. But 43 million tons of chemicals each year are used for clothing production like dyes. Yeah, well, dyes, um, things that are, you know, that sterilize, things that will strengthen or what's the word? Not strengthen, but... Uh, the coat or protect. Uh, yeah, the fabric creating... or something like wax coating, plastic coating, things that will stop it from falling apart. The Dow chemical kind of stuff, the mm-hmm. make it aquaphobic or whatever, you know, whatever attribute you're trying to get from the garment. That's a lot of produced chemicals just to make a $3 shirt. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm switching our gear, so if you, go ahead. I was just going to you know, touch on the notion that when you when you think about, like, you know, the shirts and clothing you buy and, and you look at all different colors, like, there are very few colors that happen in nature that are just, like, natural. And there are a lot of different ways to naturally dye clothing. However, on a, on a like mass production for efficiency and for cost effectiveness, they're not practical for the business plan of these corporations. It's not, they're not going to go and source out some type of rare 
flour that they can turn into a paste that they can use for a dye. They're not going to go get a bunch of beet juice to turn things purple. Like, it's not going to happen. They're just going to do chemically what they can do as cheap as possible so they can pump out a million 98 cents pairs of socks. Like, it's just ridiculous. Now, I'm done complaining. You go next. The year shift that I was going to move to was the social aspect because we can talk about fast fashion and how it affects business and, you know, how we kind of create an addiction from it. Then you can talk about the, just the standard production, but there is more bad to this. So that's the social aspect. There's a social sustainability violation globally when it comes to fast fashion, like 93% of 311 top brands that were surveyed aren't paying the garment workers a livable wage. No, they're not. And that's because these these corporations, their factories and stuff, are in these... I'm Okay, at this point, I'm just going to say, I'm not going to say developing nations. There are two specific, I'm going to call them continents, on this planet where most of these places are produced. So yes, they are not being paid a livable wage. And that's not good. There, There's a whole... Michael, we could do a whole episode on this kind of stuff. I wish we would, because I like poking the bear, and I think this is more like hitting a hornet's nest with a racket. <laughs> yeah, but we've heard Nike in the past. There's a lot of different brands that we've heard don't pay livable wages. And by the way, they're changing the terminology. I'm starting to see that we see less developing nation. I've been using that term for quite some time. But in the industry, and I've learned this through my employment, they tend to say low-cost countries, that you, you want to transfer a certain percentage of production to quote-unquote low-cost countries. So now they're not even identified as a developing nation, as if they've started in one spot and they're going to get better. We're now identifying them as cheap. Yeah, I'm not, once again, not surprised. At the end of the day, if these corporations are just trying to earn a buck, they're going to do it by paying their workers the least amount possible. And to be honest, and I've, I've said this a lot of times, people complain all the time about the cost of goods. and But then on the flip side, they complain all the time about sending our jobs overseas. Well, this is actually what they're talking about. This Ultimately, having all of our goods outsourced to these low-cost countries ensures that we're going to have cheap, obtainable goods here. People don't want whether they complain about it or not, and they say they'd, they'd be happy. The average person here is not overly enthusiastic about spending a lot more money on their goods. Although I do believe if you had local manufacturing, you could have better products that would last longer. But, you know, that goes against the, the grain. So let's not do that. Right. That most of these companies, you know, when we talk about cheap labor, some of it is just simply criminal. Some of it is just exploited labor. Absolutely. A lot of, ch- lot of children. A lot of injuries, a lot of chemicals. Just when we look back at the old pictures of the early 1900s and you see the kids in the coal mine with all the coal on their face, mm-hmm. and we look at that and go, my goodness, that's horrifying. I can't believe we did that. We're still doing it. We're still doing it. We really it, are. It's the same thing. We just don't have to look at it. Yeah. It's not your backyard. Yeah, we are not doing it personally, but we are allowing our associates to do it on our behalf which is it's not any better in fact i think it's kind of worse okay i'm a firm believer that there's honesty and there's lying but the acceptance of a lie as the truth knowing it's a lie is the same thing as a lie so for us to say 
Child labor is bad. It's disgusting. It's horrendous. It's a crime against humanity. We won't stand for that. But you can do it over there as long as you mm-hmm. give us stuff for cheap. It's just as bad, if not worse. I think it's um, ethically deceitful, and it is. I'm trying really hard not to swear, Mike. <laughs> really trying hard this time. I already swore once in this episode. I don't want to do it again. I think it's disgusting. Yeah, it's what these factories do to an area. Matter of fact, is the same reason why here in Duran, that company that tried to sneak in on that property, which was a EV battery company from overseas, got chased out. Mm-hmm. Because no one wants that kind of waste, that kind of toxicity in their backyard. So what happens? We move it to places where individuals don't have a voice. Local water pollution is a real thing in most places. It even still happens in the United States when you repeal Clean Water Acts or portions of it. We, we, we now have companies who do utilize local water sources to dilute their wastewater. The, the toxic chemical use quite often can be dropped in there because there's some rule that says this many parts per million per gallon is fine. That is so, oh my gosh. And that is, even in the United States, you'll find that there are acceptable levels of wastewater allowed released into certain public water supplies because it's cost effective and it helps the business. And if you don't let them do that, if you regulate those things, you're robbing business. You're taking away their ability to create an affordable product. But in the meantime, we're quite literally polluting local water supply. We are putting toxic chemicals in a place that your local government would say, hey, you're not supposed to drink from the river. You're supposed to buy bottled water. But it is a local water supply. It should not be in any way, shape, or form manipulated. I think that there shouldn't be a statistic at all for any acceptable parts per million for any nasty chemical in our water supply. And the fact that there are research and numbers for each individual chemical that you could ever think of shows me that this has been a problem or they just decided to poison a bunch of people for the heck of it. I hate it. And that number goes to arsenic, it goes to bleach, it goes to any single chemical that there is an acceptable parts per million or per billion or whatever the ratio is that the human body can consume without any long-term negative effects. That's disgusting and I hate it. Well, and I want to clarify something. That is calculated as a long-term negative effect based on the average lifespan of a human. Okay? So when they say, this is safe, what they mean to say, it's just this killing is, you very slowly. This is going to only affect you if you live beyond the normal lifespan. Or start the increase of percentage will start. So as we become more fragile and more vulnerable, that is when it takes its highest effect on us. It's not that it's safe. They're using the wrong term. What they're saying is, is our lifespan is too short for it to fully show the negative effects. And that I don't like. Uh, if I was ever a politician, if you will, or a leader, that'd be one of my fights, I think. Well, it should be, because we'll talk later on in different episodes about why you should run for office. So we're going to table that part of this conversation. <laughs> uh, we are going to talk about the notion of, like, with these chemicals, based on the premise of, like, a normal, average, healthy American. Or I say American because we're in America. This is true for any other part of the world. A human being, whatever. 
what about the people that aren't healthy? People that have, you know, already have compromised immune systems or, or maybe are just coming off of a bad illness so the body's not as strong as it could. Like, you've seen all the negative, terrible things that happened in the Flint water crisis. So it, I understand that that is an exponentially worse problem caused by something different. But really, pollutants in your water are pollutants in your water. You know, we have, like at work, I work in kitchens. We have a certain amount of bleach you put into a, a two-gallon bucket that gives you so many parts per billion. We have test strips to where it's to keep the water sanitized, but if it accidentally gets swallowed, it won't make you sick. Not make you sick today. Not make you sick within a short period of time. Yeah. We have a lot of our food choices, and, and we'll move because I don't want to get bogged into this, but a lot of the ingredients that we utilize to sweeten food are not healthy for us. They're just not going to kill you be- likely before you would have died anyway. That's how we're not expanding our life expectancy. As medical you know, wonders come about and we could be living longer, it is the corn syrups of the world or these, you know, the, the local water pollution through toxic chemical dumping, those combinations that keep us in that 80 range. If I get going on it too much, I'll just get mad. So also remember that many of these plants, their land usage, the pollution of the land, those are two different things. You know, those are taking land away from other options, disrupting the local environment, creating a negative ecosystem along with just straight out polluting the land for air quality. You know, my I, I have another brother. That's what he does. He does air quality, and that's manufacturing in many countries that don't have regulations. Because, again, for some reason, people think regulation equates to loss of jobs. But air quality in large major cities and places that don't have those regulations, it's simply not healthy to even breathe. The people with asthma in those areas can't really successfully live in those areas and when it comes to clean water priorities nearly a hundred percent of the time clean water is diverted to industry before people it has to be at emergency levels where people are at risk of perish for them to divert some of industry's clean water away from them. It happens in the United States out west. So they always prioritize clean water to business before citizens. Mm-hmm. No surprise. I mean, uh, most small-town communities, as I mean, I'm sure this is true for big cities too, most small towns have water treatment plants to where they, their water goes to be recycled, cleaned, and then redistributed. So it's, yeah, I don't doubt it. Well, I know in... in in this conversation, most people that are going to hear our voice on this episode understand fast fashion. They understand what they need to do. The, you know, there's the you and I who wear the same things over and over and over again, and we don't tend to go out and buy a ton of clothes. But most of the people hearing this know that. And so I mean, we're not necessarily getting to an audience that is going to go, oh my goodness, I had no idea. Except for some of the stats. I think some of the stats will impact people a little differently once they start hearing them. You know, we know what to do, which is look at the embodied energy and stay within the the realm of reality. And and also remember, we didn't even talk about the big chunk of embodied energy in clothing, which is wash and dry. So Mm -hmm. all this stuff we've talked about is only a portion of the embodied energy. And these are from the high volume companies. There's Zara, H&M which they do a billion garments per year. 
They have 1.4 billion in unsold clothing that they that they sell or give to a Sweden power plant to burn. <laughs> That's such a weird stat. Okay. 1.4 billion dollars in unsold clothing is sent to a Sweden power plant so they can burn it for electricity. Uh there's Sheen, Forever 21, Gap, we know a lot of these, right? We know these these companies that are peddling fast fashion. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. Is just understand that everything we talked about wasn't even. It, it, it's probably not even half of the total embodied energy. And some of those stats were mind-boggling. Some of those mm-hmm. stats were kind of confusing. But hopefully, this will start to change at some point. Hopefully, you know, between regulation or just simply consumer change, because it really is our little bit, little bit that changes things. We start to buy less of something. We start to utilize something one more time than we usually would have. Or we find a secondary use and it doesn't get thrown away. These are the things that are going to change those industries over time. And every one of us say, well, it's just me. But there's a lot of just me's. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I have a lot of faith that over time, these things will change. It's just today, they are they are a terrible tragedy for sustainability. Water and energy are abused so that we can wear a shirt twice. It's a little crazy. So anyways, that's all we had for this week. Uh, we thank you all for listening. And again, it feels good to be back. It feels good to be recording again. It feels good to be on some kind of cadence. I know it's not as much as it used to be, but hey, we're here and we're able to do it. So again, we appreciate you listening. I appreciate uh, Magic Mind. I'm sure Nick would have appreciated Magic Mind if he would have had the motivation and energy to come get his energy shot. I could have had the motivation and energy, but you drank it all. So, I guess it's going to happen. I should have mailed you one, and that would have got you going to come get the rest. One. Yeah, yeah, probably. It probably would have been, like, great. I wish. But you didn't, (laughs) because... Michael uh, had to have them all. I, and listen, it's okay though. You know, you should respect your older generation and, and at your age, you're gonna need it. You're gonna need more, more energy, more, more clairvoyance of thought, Michael. You need it in your brain. So, unfortunately yeah. for me, I missed out on Magic Mind, but my, my senior citizen brother did not. So. Yeah, I don't fully <laughs> disagree. <laughs> so, thank you all again for listening. Remember, we're just trying to get a little bit better. Each week, little bit, little bit, big bit. Thanks again. I'm Mike. Yeah, I'm Nick. And we will see you in a couple of weeks.